In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. A tidal wave of cash for Raphael Warnock. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the podcast we want you to depend on for the most on-the-ground coverage of the 2022 election. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, along with your other host, Patricia Murphy, and we are two of the political insiders here at the AJC. Ahead on Politically Georgia, how Stacey Abrams is using her private sector experience to appeal to a broader base of voters. But first... Senator Raphael Warnock broke another fundraising record by amassing $13.6 million over the first three months of the year, ending the quarter with more than $25 million in the bank for a campaign that could decide control of the Senate. It's the most money ever raised by any U.S. Senate candidate in the first quarter of an election year. Patricia, I know we've been everywhere. I'm literally sitting in a really hot car (laughs) on the way home from a campaign trail event. Um, And you are at home, but you've been out and about. But Patricia, this is yet another indication that Georgia, you know, we set all sorts of fundraising records uh, during the runoff. Half a a billion dollars was spent on TV ads alone doing uh, for the U.S. Senate contests, um, the four campaigns, the two Senate races that decided to control the Senate back then. Well, we have another race that could be one of the closest in the nation. And we are already having all sorts of indications that it's going to set new, at least 2022, money records. Yes. And that is when we're talking just about each individual campaign and how much they're raising. And we know from 2020 and 2021 that that is really just a preview to the flood of outside money that's going to come in as well. And I do think that the outside money tends to be proportional to what these candidates are raising. So as much as they're raising themselves, there are going to be millions and millions, tens of millions of dollars of outside money um, from D.C., New York. Um, just the, the entire country feels vested in these races, uh, even the governor's race, I would say. And so I think we can expect uh, nationwide outside money to start to pour in as well. Yeah, and we've already seen uh, outside groups um, backing Senator Warnock reserve $24 million worth of TV ads through November. So ad space is going to become a rarity uh, as, as more of these campaigns and their groups, their allies, um, uh, buy up, snap up airtime. But Patricia, you made a really good point um, on, on Twitter earlier today, um, right after the news broke about Senator Warnock's huge haul. And, and I'll let you say it, but I, I thought it was a very... Uh, important point to make this election cycle. Yeah. So I think that when you take uh, Raphael Warnock's fundraising number, which is gigantic, and you couple that with Herschel Walker, who 
has raised the most of any GOP challenger in the country for a Senate race. Um, then you can add to that uh, Stacey Abrams, and you can add to that even Marcus Flowers up in the 14th Congressional District, a Democrat, one of many who is challenging Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, and he is a Black Army veteran. Together, they have really just demolished the old saw that um, candidates of color cannot raise large sums of money. I think that has always been an assumption built in even for candidates of color getting into these races. They may they feeling like they may not have um, access to capital, may not have access to the right networks. This shows that when you have a hugely important state and uh, dynamic candidates on either side, um, it is not a barrier at all. And these guys are raising more money than anybody else in the country. And for me to see it happening in Georgia, I just kind of love that. Uh, the What I also think is amazing is that the Senate candidate who's raised the second most amount of money is Tim Scott uh, over in South Carolina. And so these are uh, incumbent senators who um, have tons of national attention and are able to raise huge sums of money. And they are really um, ending barriers for other candidates in the process, which I think is really awesome. Ending barriers and smashing stereotypes. I mean, look, not even that long ago, I was talking to Michael Thurmond, who's now the DeKalb CEO, but he was a former state labor commissioner, a former Senate candidate. And one of his big concerns was whether or not he could raise the money to run in 2018 for governor. And now, you know, in just the span of a few years, we're now seeing how Georgia Democrats in the Deep South, as you mentioned, right? I mean, we're, we're not Illinois or New York or anywhere like that or California. The Deep South are breaking down those barriers, breaking down those stereotypes uh, on both party sides of the party aisle, right? Herschel Walker um, is using his celebrity as well um, to raise a ton of a ton of money. He's on Fox News all the time. We've talked about um his sort of strategy of ignoring the local media in many ways and, and all that. But, you know, part of his strategy is also traveling the nation, going to fundraisers in Texas, in Oklahoma, in California, and beyond, raising a lot of money as well. And he's showing, too, that Republican donors have no problem pouring in for a uh, for African-American candidate in Georgia. Oh, for sure. I mean, Herschel Walker has the extra boost that he is an automatic celebrity already famous before he got into this. And you and I are seeing Republicans literally trip over themselves (laughs) to get close to this man. And so the chance to throw a bunch of money at him as well probably is super cool to a lot of Republicans. Uh, So he's somebody who is just really has quite a magnetic appeal for a lot of Republicans and raising money has just not proven to be a problem for him at all. There has been no conversation about him having to dip into his own funds, even though he comes into this race as a multimillionaire, and um, he just hasn't needed to. And once we get through this primary, and if he does win the primary, as he's poised to do right now, I mean, the floodgates are going to open on that race. Right now, there is there tends to be sort of a traditional prohibition on uh, national parties, national groups giving to specific candidates before primary in the Senate, and that's going to be over, and he's going to be able to just hose up money after that. So um, it is, he's another one of these candidates for whom money will be no problem. Um, the, the challenge they'll eventually have is how to spend it all, where to spend it all. And we know that there are TV stations in Atlanta that add broadcast just yep. to have more ad time to sell because they know pe- any people will buy it. If they, if they, if they uh, run it, uh, the campaigns will come. 
I just hope that those TV stations invest back in the newsroom. But you're exactly right. Um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of questions about how effective TV advertising is these days, especially with so much digital media. But we've seen this explosion of digital media, too. You wrote this great column last year about um, how you couldn't even turn on, uh, you know, you, our kids couldn't even watch like Frosty the Snowman or... or It was cupcake videos. <laughs> cupcake videos. My kids, yeah. too. They could recite every single Kelly Leffler, radical, liberal, Raphael Warnock type ad, you know, verbatim almost, because every time they turned on YouTube or something, they, they saw one of those ads. So look, you know, they, it starts to balance itself out. It starts to sort of lose its effectiveness, but still... When you're talking, especially this early in the game, when you're talking about candidates like Raphael Warnock, who's already spending $700,000 a week on ads, oh, right? Yeah. That has starts to accumulate. Oh, yeah. Raphael Warnock has been on Atlanta TV, primetime Atlanta TV, um, practically since the beginning of the year. And for people who are outside of Atlanta, Atlanta is just an extremely uh, expensive TV market. It's not cheap and primetime's not cheap. And Warnock has been up on the air um, consistently running consistently positive ads about himself and his agenda. And it's very similar to the head start that he got in his race uh, in 2020 when he really had the playing field to himself, very little Democratic opposition to speak of, and so was able to be up on the air. He'd also raised a lot of money back then, up on the air, running very positive ads about himself introducing himself, and in this case, reintroducing himself to voters. And um, Stacey Abrams is in that same enviable position as well. Yeah. And before we shift to her, I just want to read a text that I got from a Republican, a senior Republican official, shortly after um, the news of uh, the AJC broke the news of, of Raphael Warnock's big haul. It's this, quote, with $25 million, Warnock can lit literally devote entire teams of people to acquiring, developing, and mapping out a devastating opposition campaign on Herschel Walker and started May 25th, the day after the Republican mm -hmm. primary, and never let up. He has that much in the bank while spending $700,000 a week the last three weeks on TV ads and $6 million total this year. So that shows you um, uh, the Raphael Warnock advantage. We're not sure how much Stacey Abrams has, has raised so far because we won't see her financial reports for another month, um, but we know that she outraised Governor Kemp in just two months, she raised more than he did in seven. And now she has financed her own latest rounds of ads that pivots to her private sector experience as she tries to appeal just as a broader segment of the electorate and attempts to make the most of all this Republican infighting. Um, let's listen to her ad. We built a company together to finance other small businesses and help them save and grow jobs. That's how we're going to grow Georgia's economy. Patricia, this is an <laughs> ad that she uh, taped with her co-founder, Laura Hodgson, who both of them founded together now account, small business startup. Um, Laura Hodgson is, of course, a Stacey Abrams supporter, but she is also traditionally a Republican. It was meant to show that, hey, you know, Stacey Abrams can work across party lines. But I think more importantly, it was meant to show that she's not just a politician or a voting rights advocate or a national figure, that she also has this background in business that will get more scrutiny as she co continues with this campaign. Oh, absolutely. It will get more scrutiny because to this point, it's gotten zero scrutiny. Um, and it a little known fact, if you look up Stacey Abrams on LinkedIn, she has a LinkedIn page and she has a lot of companies on her LinkedIn page that say, you know, 2006, 2008, et cetera, to present. These are companies that she has until very recently 
been quite involved in. And that includes, um, as you said, Now Accounts, which is a fintech company, uh, part of that sort of growing Atlanta fintech scene for small businesses to get financing. Um, she's also had been a part of a baby food startup that didn't quite get off the ground. And that's where uh, Now Accounts came in, having experienced uh, trying to create a small business um, without the financing to always meet the orders that you were getting. Um, and she has a number of other business ventures that she's involved in currently, um, a production company, obviously uh, movies that she's working on. I, And as far as we know, she's not dis sort of disassociated herself with all those companies. And um, you're right, those will start to get uh, a lot of attention and scrutiny because among other things, they're also taking venture capital funding. And now accounts has taken uh, tens of millions of dollars in outside money. And I think it'll start to be important to understand um, not just uh, how Stacey Abrams has amassed her personal money, I think that uh, that has largely come from book deals and um, kind of advanced movie rights, apparently. And but speaking the I Yeah, exactly. Speaking towards that, that is all very traditional. And I think that's um, pretty easy to go through. But her her business dealings, who else has been involved in it? Who has been financially supporting those? Um, all of those are questions that are going to be asked now that she's a candidate. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and part of the reason she hasn't gotten as much scrutiny right now is the Republicans are focused on each other. Yeah. Um, as we've talked about plenty of times on this podcast and we'll continue to see at least through May 24th, if not June, if there is a runoff. Um, when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Republican infighting. Reminder, if you're listening to us for the first time, please follow us on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip Hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. And we're back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your co-host, Greg Bluestein, along with fellow co-host, Patricia Murphy. We are two of the political insiders at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And we're also two of the three authors, along with our Washington correspondent, Tia Mitchell, of The Morning Jolt. And we've got a good one for you on Friday, uh, stemming in part from my trip out on the campaign trail. I'll be talking about the Republicans who decided to go to a law enforcement barbecue rather than the annual state GOP fundraiser featuring Florida Senator Rick Scott. So we've got some fun stuff for you in the jolt. Ooh, I like it. I can't wait to find out more. And Patricia, you've been everywhere too. I, you know, <laughs> I'm just coming back from Louisville and several other stops with the governor. Um, you've been out and about as well, keeping, uh, keeping, keeping politicians on their toes. Uh, how's your week been? 
Oh, my week has been awesome. Um, uh, a real highlight was uh, catching David Perdue down at the Capitol. He said something, you know, just sort of uh, mentioned the state patrol, uh, that they are no longer elite. And that absolutely blew up into a two-day story as well. And I think we'll continue to hear from Brian Kemp's team and I think from other Republicans, to be honest with you. I've spoken with a number of Republicans, very upset that uh, Purdue has taken a swipe at um, the Georgia State Patrol, um, not just their leadership. And so I think that's something we'll continue to hear. And I actually did, I, now this still counts as work, but yesterday I went to the Atlanta History Center and I went Ooh. to see George Bush's uh, collection of portraits of immigrants. It has just started at the Atlanta History Center. And it is a, um, a Sunday column is about it, frankly, because I have learned that nobody on a religious holiday like Easter or Passover really wants to read about Republicans and Democrats fighting with each other. <laughs> so I try to, I sometimes try and take a little breather that's politically adjacent. And so um, George, turns out George Bush can paint and he's got something to say as well. So it's really cool. That'll be oh, I want to go and I want to expense it because that's work. You're right. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we, Patricia and I and Tia, we think the Morning Joel newsletter is just, is just the best. Uh, but we also believe it sets the stakes and the agenda in Georgia politics. You can get it in your inbox every morning. If you're a subscriber to the AJC, you can join our community now by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. And Patricia, your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. So as I mentioned, I caught up with Governor Brian Kemp making a campaign stop in East Georgia, the town of Louisville this afternoon. We have got to win the primary, and I have the record to do that, but also have a record to beat Stacey Abrams in November. Now, Patricia, not only does he have to keep one eye on David Perdue, who he's handily beating in polls right now, but of course he is not counting David Perdue out, neither are we at the AJC, because we have no idea what the Trump electorate will look like. But on the other hand, he's worried about Stacey Abrams. Um, right now, things are looking pretty good for the governor. Um Polls have shown him with double-digit leads, some with, you know, 20 to 30-point leads. Um, but, you know, I'm really interested in this UGA poll that we got and we published on Thursday that tried to show the Trump effect in Georgia politics right now. Uh, what it did, it was kind of an experiment. It took uh, about 700 Republican primary voters, divided them in two groups. One was just asked, hey, where do you stand on these five statewide races? The other one before they were asked that question, they were first told who Trump endorsed in each of those contests. And it was really fascinating, Patricia, because it showed that in the governor's race and the Senate race, Trump's endorsement didn't really matter. Herschel Walker was still head and shoulders above his Republican rivals in, in that contest. And in Governor Kemp's race against David Perdue, the numbers barely budged once voters were informed that Trump had endorsed David Perdue. Down the ticket, though, it had a much a much bigger effect. I mean, we're talking 30 point advantages um, for some of these Republican down ticket contenders once they once voters were informed that they were backed by um, Donald Trump. This to me, again, shows you all the challenges David Perdue still faces. The electorate knows for the most part about Trump's endorsement and they're not budging. Yeah, it um, it is so interesting to me, though, for those down ticket races, I think the best example is Lieutenant Governor, where there's the contest between uh, Burt Jones and Butch Miller, both state senators, both quite conservative. It's hard to even think of 
many policy differences between those two gentlemen who are both quite conservative. But uh, Burt Jones has been endorsed by Donald Trump. That makes a huge difference for those information, those kind of lower information voters. And you don't even have to be a low information voter to not have heard of these two guys. If they don't represent you and you live somewhere else in the state and you don't work in the Capitol, you probably have not heard of either one of them. So to know, okay, I'm a Republican. I have heard of nobody. Donald Trump likes this guy. Okay. You know, I mean, Donald Trump is still the most popular Republican in the Republican Party. And so if he likes somebody, that's good enough for a lot of GOP voters. When you get to the higher pieces of the ticket, there's a lot more information that voters have at their disposal to make those decisions. When it comes to Brian Kemp, they know why Donald Trump is not supporting Brian Kemp. And that is only because of the 2020 election. And I've talked to plenty of Republican voters who don't care what Donald Trump says about the 2020 election anymore. They have moved on and they have experienced Brian Kemp as a governor for themselves. So it's not the only information they have about him. For David Perdue, I hear a lot. I know that Donald Trump likes him, but he lost to John Ossoff. How's he going to beat Stacey Abrams? You know, so they have a lot of other pieces of the puzzle already built into place once Trump puts his piece of the puzzle down. That is not the case for those lower, uh, those other uh, races lower on the ticket. Well, not all Republicans have moved on as Brian Kemp doesn't need to, he needs no reminder of that, but he got one over the weekend at the Fulton County GOP. Let's listen. Now they're trying to blame me for something that I had no constitutional authority to do. This isn't like the United States. This isn't like Florida, where the governor appoints the Secretary of State. The Secretary of State has constitutional authorities, and so does the state election board. So all the things that happened with drop boxes, that was done by the state election board. The, the, uh, the Special consent session. decree Special was done, session. the consent decree was done with the lawyer for the Georgia Republican Party signing off on it, not me, the governor. So if you want to know what the truth is about the election, you should first regard what the laws and the Constitution say. Thank you for having me. Patricia <laughs> and the jolt, um, we call that like sort of his drop, his mic drop moment. <laughs> He practically slammed the mic down, actually. He was so mad. We we have video you can watch if you want to go back to that item. It led the jolt a couple days ago. Um, But, you know, again, another reminder that there is an element of the base um, that is upset with him still over election lies. Um, You know, the Trump's lies that that somehow the election was rigged, which it wasn't, of course. Um, And that even if he wins the nomination, these aren't going away. I mean, like he's still going to get um, pushback uh, from the base. Uh, on these sorts of issues. Absolutely. You know, by then they will be able to make a, um, you know, a choice. Would I rather have Brian Kemp or Stacey Abrams? And knowing full well now that a Democrat can win the state of Georgia, I think that puts more pressure on those GOP voters to show up and vote this time around. I really don't think they really believe they were going to lose those two Senate seats, no matter who voted. It just seems so far-fetched. And so that's going to be a really different dynamic this time around. Um, but no, you're exactly right. There there are plenty of Republicans. And that's why uh, David Perdue is up over 40% in some polls. Um, there are plenty of Republicans mad at David Perdue, I mean, excuse me, mad at Brian Kemp because Donald Trump is mad at Brian Kemp and not just mad, like 
two women have packed their bags, gone to the GOP meeting in Fulton County, and are are heckling the governor <laughs> and <laughs> videotaping. <laughs> and instead of instead of taking most staffers, you know, most staffers are like, you might get a little pushback, but just don't take the bait. You know, instead of not taking the bait, Brian Kemp will get in there and rumble with you. So, um, yeah. you know, and he, uh, that's just who he is. And um, if any staffer was telling him not to take the bait, they should try harder next time because he took it. He's going to, I think he'll take it every time. I, I mean, don't he think feels Cody very strongly Hall about this. Or Burt Brantley or Tate Mitchell or Trey will ever ask him not to take the bait because they know him too well. Yes. Now it's time for one of our favorite segments of the show, the listener mailbag. Oh, and good. our new freelancer, sorry, our new producer, Shane, freelancer, producer, freelance producer, both, everything. A freelance producer, yeah. Freelance producer. I, you know what? I have been a freelancer before, and there's nothing wrong with that. That is no. That is that is important work. Of course, I have. Thank also you for been being a freelancer. Here, and I was going to say he's 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 in charge of coming up with a special like music guitar riff i don't know Ooh. for the reader mailbag the listener mailbag okay. <laughs> oh something but, special be put in post-production <laughs> exactly <laughs> careful what you wish for <laughs> but our question this week and i'm so worried i'm going to butcher the name because it's a it's 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 a great question patricia it's from steven golenbacher from loganville and steven asks how the newspaper industry has changed since we got into business patricia I'll go with you first. Mr. Golenbacher, great question. Here's my answer, and this is this is the truth. This is my first job in newspapers. My first job in newspapers because the media business has changed so much over the years. So I think when I was, you know, in high school and thinking about writing for the student newspaper, someday you would go on to work for a uh like a grown-up newspaper, uh, that's just not the case anymore in media. So there, I don't even really think of the AJC as just a newspaper. To me, it's uh, obviously we're doing a podcast. It's a newspaper. You and I, Greg, file digitally. You file digitally all day long. I'm going to throw Twitter on top of the pile um, of all the work that we do. So it's the same. It's the same reporting. It's the same concept as storytelling, um, but it's just in any old format that uh, viewers and audiences uh, want it in. I think we're ready. <laughs> we're here to deliver. So that's what, to me, the, the, the process has not changed. The delivery mechanism has changed, though, and will continue to. Mr. Golenbacher, my answer, and by the way, Loganville, I remember the commercials growing up. Where's Loganville? It's somewhere in Gwinnett, right? Gwinnett? Um, uh, yeah. I, don't yeah. the Golenbachers have the feed store in Loganville? I think they do. Or is it? I thought it was bait and tackle, but either way, they are very upstanding citizens of Loganville in that part of yeah. of Northeast Atlanta and sort of Northeast Georgia. Um, but uh, you know, I, I've seen it dramatically change because I worked for the student newspaper at University of Georgia in the early two thousands, and back then it was like digital was sort of an afterthought. It was, hey, we had a, we we had a daily newspaper back then, Monday through Friday. It, it no longer is at, over at the Red and Black, but. It was getting stuff in the newspaper first, and then digital was second. And I've seen it evolve. I worked for the Daily Report, which is a, a newspaper, a legal newspaper, and it was all about, you know, it was all about print. Digital was also an afterthought about 20, you know, 15 years ago. And then I worked for the AP, the Associated Press, which was the opposite. There was no print product. You know, we 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 supplied newspapers with their coverage, but we weren't primarily worried about getting stuff in a print product because we didn't have one. It was minute by minute. And then when I got to the AJC, even the last 10 years, I've seen a dramatic change. I mean, we've gone from 
digital first reporters who also are concerned about the print product to now we have newsletters and blogs and as you know, podcasts and radio stuff and TV stuff and all these different formats. Next is going to be holograms. Uh, I mean, <laughs> what else can they make us do? But we love it because it's just different ways that we can connect with our audience. Of course, social media, we're do, I, you know, me and you have done Twitter spaces and, um, you know, uh, virtual Zoom gatherings with readers and listeners and things like that, where we get feedback and we answer questions and all that stuff. But that's just the way that our business has changed. It's now more, uh, m- more multimedia diverse, right? We do all sorts of things because there's all sorts of ways to reach our listeners and viewers and readers than ever before. I know. I feel like soon we'll have a skywriter on uh, on staff so that we can just skywrite it across <laughs> like any sports <laughs> event going on in Georgia. We will we will bring your news wherever you are. Just stand when by. You, like basically like brain hookups where you just ingest the news and just Patricia's <laughs> columns. Uh, yeah, into... I think Elon Musk is talking about that. I think that's part of his. He uh, takes over Twitter. Twitter overhaul. Yep. Oh, Lord. Um, that's going to be our next episode. But before we go, who is up? And who is down? Patricia, other than Stephen Golenbacher's great question, who's up for you this week? Well, since I'm going first, I get to put Raphael Warnock up because Raphael Warnock's bank account is up. My goodness gracious, that man knows how to raise some money. Um, and I think it also is a signal to him and to the Republicans who will be running against him that this is the race in the country. This is it. And um, the resources will follow. It's a it's a big uh, it's a big opportunity to raise a lot of money, but it's also a lot of pressure. I think it shows that this is going to be both sides bringing out all stops, money, message, ground game, whatever it takes, because um, you know control of the Senate really is on the line. And um, uh, we've been here before, and here we are again. Okay, I'll see your bet and raise you since you took Warnock. I'll just say all the premier candidates, all the top of the ticket candidates in the marquee races in Georgia, because um, Herschel Walker, as we talked about earlier, he's also setting records and, and, and raising more money than just about any other Republican Senate candidate in Georgia. Uh, sorry, around the nation, I should say, as well as Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp. They'll have no problem if they are the, uh, the, uh, the, the November matchup. They'll Neither of them will have any problems raising money, and neither will David Perdue. David Perdue has struggled to raise money so far, but if he is the Republican nominee, the spigots will open. And we didn't really talk about this, but Donald Trump is beginning to shove a little bit of money his way, $500,000 from a super PAC towards a super PAC that's helping um, David Perdue. But we'll see if, if more money follows. Um, Patricia, who's your loser? Who's Who's down? My loser this week, um, not my loser, but my who's down is David Perdue. I don't quite understand why he has picked a fight with the Georgia State Patrol, although he might know more than I do on that subject, although I think we both are pretty well versed in the Georgia State Patrol and what's going on with them. I don't see the political advantages to doing that. However, we certainly have been talking about David Perdue all week. Um, And so he's staying in the mix and in the fight with Brian Kemp. And he could be back up next week. You know, he was our winner uh, very recently. So he could be back up next week. We'll see. These things change fast since you took Perdue. I'll say Herschel Walker, too, even though I just named him a winner. And this is kind of a mixed bag because he's still up in the polls. His folks are still not worried about him at all. His his advisors, his allies, they're like, hey, he's he's at in the UGA poll. He was close to seventy percent, above seventy percent. Once people knew about um, 
Donald Trump's endorsement. But at the same time, there's been another wave of damaging stories from the Daily Beast, from CNN, um, that both showed, A, and the CNN story showed that he's lied over the years about graduating from college. We reported that his campaign <laughs> falsely said that he graduated from college. What CNN did was they went back even further and found out Herschel Walker himself, um, as recently as a couple of years ago, had said in speeches that he also lied from UGA. And he famously did not because it was such a big deal that he did not graduate from college and instead went to the uh, pro football early. Um, Jay, you have something to say? I have I have a nomination uh, for, for who's up and who's yeah. down, uh, Mr. Speaker. Um, my, my, my who's up is, is Greg Bluestein for the dedication to do this podcast from a hot car in East Georgia, yeah, in the town of Louisville. Really hot. My who's down is also Greg Bluestein, who is um, sweating off a lot of weight at the moment. Yeah, can you tell? Because he won't on the turn video? the air conditioner on his car. If I turn the air conditioner on, it will just overwhelm. It'll be too loud in the background, and you're going to be mad at the audio. So it's not because I'm worried about. <laughs> the oh no, I don't want you. Like no, that. I don't want you to turn it on. But I know that makes you. Mad. Well, that that is our who's up and who's down. Herschel Walker could be up and down, and I guess so could I. Um, you can, <laughs> but you, as our our loyal listeners, you can count on new episodes of this podcast to come out every Wednesday and Friday, and we will see you then on Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.